If you've been wishing, hoping, and dreaming about taking your business from six figures to multi-six figures or multi-six figures to seven figures, then I wanna make sure you get our new free guide, the multi-six and seven-figure scaling roadmap. Inside the guide, I pulled back the curtains and I shared all the strategies that I used and they can help you too. First, they can help you triple your monthly sales. I shared proven strategies with you that led to a 3X increase in my monthly sales. Second, I show you exactly how to crush your limiting beliefs. Say goodbye to doubts like, you can't charge that much and there aren't enough ideal clients for you too. Third, how to only work with ideal clients. I show you how to become the go-to expert and attract only the perfect clients and referrals. And finally, I show you how to quantum leap to $20,000 plus every single month. I show you exactly how to take a quantum leap from 8,000 per month, for example, to 20,000 a month. You can absolutely break through your upper limit barrier and enjoy five and six figure months every single month. Make 2024 your dream come true year by downloading your free guide today. Just click the link in the show notes below. Welcome to Double Your Sales Now, your resources to selling strategies, tips, and best practices to take your performance to the next level. There's no reason you can't double your sales. So let's get to it with your sales coach, Ursula Menches. Welcome to Double Your Sales Now, where you learn all the tips, mindset shifts, tools, and strategies to two times your sales in any niche. I'm your host, Ursula Minches, and I am so excited to dive into today's show. I have the very cool, very amazing, very humble Ross Bernstein with me today. And before we dive in, I just want to say hi, Ross, and welcome to the show. Hey, Ursula. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. A couple of Southern Minnesota kids just hanging out in cyber. <laughs> That's right. Who've had some pretty interesting journeys. So I'm super excited for you to share your story today. So I'll come back to you in a moment. I want to welcome everyone. We have listeners all over the world now. I just got an email from someone in Africa who launched a media business. And I want to say congratulations again to you. I know you're listening. For those of you who haven't gotten a free gift yet, go to salescoachnow.com forward slash gift. It's a really nice PDF and it gives you six secrets to doubling your sales. So if you're feeling stuck or you know having a rough month, definitely grab that PDF and, and just you know follow it. Do some of the things that are on there. That'll help you get unstuck. Also, I'd love to partner with you on your next event, conference, or sales training session. You can go to Ursula Minchis, and that's M-E-N-T-J-E-S dot com to see all of our latest keynotes and click on the look the link to book me. Also, this is cool because you're a podcast listener. You get a special prize for Sales Camp by simply emailing us at contact at salescoachnow.com and mentioning that in the email. So when you let us know you want to come to Sales Camp, let us know the dates. We'll get you the special pricing. We'd love to see you there. We just had someone flying from the East Coast, some podcast listeners. So that was super fun. Also, finally, I want to thank one of our sponsors, the Juicy Good Life Conference. I'm going to be keynoting there. They're amazing. Their event is November 5th and 6th at Sundara Inn and Spa in Wisconsin Dells. So you get to go to the conference and go to the spa. That's a big part of it. What's really fun is that the Juicy Good Life founder, Sarah Stokes, she's a former podcast guest and a trusted consultant. She's going to guide us to your success plan, revealing the expert system she's used to create seven figures in her business with sanity. And she did it really fast. And she's going to share what she did. 
And for two amazing days, you get to be at the spa and then attending expert workshops. How does it get better than that? So go to the Juicy Good Life conference. You can get $50 off just by using 50OFF for you because you're a guest of our show. And I'd love to see you out there. So with that, let me tell you about Ross. Ross and I met at a speaker showcase, and then we found out we're neighbors, which is how the universe works. He is the best-selling author of nearly 50, yes, that's a five and a zero sports books. He's an award-winning Hall of Fame peak performance business speaker who's keynoted conferences on all seven continents. That's awesome. And has been featured on CNN, CBS This Morning, ESPN, and Fox News, as well as in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and USA Today. His mission today is to get us all to think differently about how we can raise our game to the next level. So you can see why I'm excited to have him on the show. I think he's going to make a difference for every single one of us. So definitely get your pen out, get your journal out, piece of paper, and take some notes. So Ross, my fellow Minnesotan, I would you would start out by sharing your story. How did this happen? What's the trajectory of your journey that's brought you to this amazing place you are today? Well, thank you so much for having me on and to be a guest in your podcast. I'm excited to be here. So stories, you and I are speakers. We all have stories. So the short, quick and dirty version is I, like you, grew up in Southern Minnesota. As a 10-year-old kid, I watched the Miracle on Ice hockey game where the U.S. beat the Soviet Union under this amazing coach, Herb Brooks, and I begged my parents to play hockey. As you know, hockey's non-existent where we grew up. But I went to the Herb Brooks hockey camp. I went. I was the worst guy there. I won the most improved award for the guy who sucks the most. I got into hockey, and lo and behold, I had a crazy notion. I went to the University of Minnesota to walk on. I, I was friends with a bunch of guys in the team, and I lasted about 10 minutes. I wound up becoming the team mascot, Goldie the Gopher, a giant smelly rodent. And I actually wound up writing a book about the whole crazy experience as a senior in college called Gopher Hockey by the Hockey Gopher. It became a cult bestseller and I was off to the races, you know, by dumb luck, I kind of figured out a way to make my career doing what I love, which was sports. So all these books later now, I work as a sports author and a speaker and I get to share wisdom from a lot of amazing people that I get to meet and interview and try and help people. So that's my crazy gig and I'm sticking to it. That's my story. That is crazy. And yet it just kept, I guess, um, revealing itself in front of you and unfolding and you were willing to take the next step. And I think you worked really hard along the way. I would guess 50 books is a lot to crank out. So take us back, you know, when you first decided to be a speaker, like entered that professional world, what was that like for you? How did you know how much to charge? Did you have any limiting beliefs? Like what were the blocks that were showing up and how did you work through it? Well, when I first wrote that book, I was getting asked to speak almost immediately at Rotary's Chambers of Commerce. You know, people would see me on TV telling stories and I was a good storyteller. And, you know, it's kind of in your DNA if you like being in front of audiences. I mean, as professional speakers are, you know, what we do every day is most people's biggest fear. They would, a lot of people would rather be eaten by a shark than get up in front of a room and talk for an hour or two hours. So, I learned early on I was good at it. I could entertain, you know, 10,000 people as a giant rodent. So I was like, okay, this is fun. So, you know, you'd start to go and tell stories and eventually people would say, you know, wow, you had some really good insights. Could you come talk to my company? And one thing led to the next. And, you know, I think the speaking business, your fees are, you know, they're very transparent. That's kind of how we measure where we're at at different levels. And, you know, the 
you're kind of judged by what someone offers to pay you. It's an odd thing, but people are, you know, your fees go up as you get better, as your reputation gets better. So, you know, early on, I would just speak, maybe it was for free or for 50 bucks, but I would go sell books. And that was, you know, for early in my career, I understood sales in a very organic level. I grew up in a small town. My family had furniture stores. I was constantly, you know, I understood sales. I had a lawn mowing business and a snow shoveling business. I grew up on a golf course. I had a lemonade stand when I was a little kid. I understood just selling stuff and, you know, what that meant. And my dad, it was fourth generation. So my grandpa, my great grandpa, I got to work with them, learn from them. And, you know, eventually it just created a business. But early on, you know, it's always interesting. A lot of my speaker colleagues are always fascinated. How did you sell so many books? Because most speakers write books as as business cards, as a vanity play, you know, something to enhance your real business. But for me, my business was selling books. I would churn out two, three books a year. And it was like, look, if I don't sell books, I don't eat. You know, sometimes with book distributors, I might get paid once a year. So that was it. So I had to grind and I had to understand how to do book signings and radio interviews and TV interviews. I mean, my, I learned early on to always make my books available at Christmas time because that was a reason for people to buy the book. So, you know, I learned early on that that was, you just had to grind and hustle. And and you know that, I mean, your story is amazing as well. Just how you worked hard and you fail and you figure it out and you move on. And, you know, there's no secret. It's just, you have to just keep grinding and getting better. Yes. From someone who does have glossophobia and you can Google it, it is the fear of public speaking. And it's interesting. I still can't believe I'm having this career because I look at people like you and I'm a little envious because I know you don't have any fear when you get on stage or you don't have a lot or you've figured it out. And now I've, you know, I figured it out, but you know, I, for our listeners, like if you do have a lot of fear around speaking, don't let that stop you because it's sometimes it's just the calling that's there. And that's for me, it was that kind of calling. And I know for you, it was just part of your DNA. So, which I love that. And I can see you as the mascot running around all that energy and you bring that to the stage. So going back, like, I mean, you're out there, you're selling all these books you're speaking for free at Rotaries. And by the way, for anyone who's a speaker, yeah, you start out by speaking for free. That's what you do. And you kill it there. You crush it there. You get better and you get better. And then suddenly some days, like someone one day says, how much do you charge? And you try to stay calm inside and then you tell them <laughs> and then you get paid and then you get paid more and it continues to grow. So Ross, for you, was there a moment? I mean, obviously you were on television, you were doing all these things. Was there a moment where you had a belief shift or you had a you just made a decision to have a significant increase in your speaker fees, or was it a gradual increase over time? Like, do you remember that process? Well, it's a fascinating journey, as you said. Everyone kind of goes through that moment where, like, holy crap, someone's going to pay me to go talk. And, you know, because no one starts out as a speaker, you start out like you as a really successful sales professional or an executive running, you know, a huge bank or whatever your previous life was. We all come to the table as professional speakers as experts in something else. And, you know, when you gather at speaker events, and, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are, how successful you were, or if you ran a billion dollar company, you all kind of start at the bottom and you work your way up and it's supply and demand. I mean, you're going to rise to the top. People want to hire you and pay you and that's, that's kind of how it works. So you'll be able to grow your business as the market dictates. So for me, I mean, I would work for a long time and eventually I had to figure out what it was that people liked and try to get better. And you know, you, I embraced feedback and why people were, you know, what they liked and what they didn't like. And I would work with meeting planners and figure out, you know, what did your audience really enjoy? What was terrible? And I really embraced that. And I just kept learning how to get better. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that's a great reminder because especially as speakers, I mean, it's, you know, there's sometimes that fear of being judged and it's easy to be in the compare and contrast trap, but really you can only do your personal best and make your personal best better. And I know that's one thing that you talk about a lot is just how to get better and how to up your game. And so that's really, really great advice, you know, for all of us, whether or not we're in the speaking world, are we asking for feedback? Who are we asking for feedback from? Is it valuable? Is it helping us grow? Is it not? So I love talking about limiting beliefs. It's the one, you know, I wrote a book called The Belief Zone because I love helping people shift their beliefs. I'm always curious, like when you look back on your whole career, Ross, was there, did you have any limiting beliefs about yourself or about what was possible or about how much money you could make? I mean, it sounds like you had, you know, you grew up in a family that owned a small business or several small businesses. So you had an interesting way of growing up that might have formed that differently. But did you have any limiting beliefs about money or potential or possibility? Wow, that's a really good question. No one told me how to write a book. I had two brothers that had gone on to get their Ivy League MBAs. And my parents, this is what they wanted me to do. And I told them, I said, look, I want to work in sports. This is my passion. And my parents freaked out. They were like, oh my God, you're going to lose all your money writing this stupid book. This is going to be a huge disaster. And you're not going to be able to, you know, but I was, this is what I wanted to do. And I really felt strongly about it. And despite the fact that everyone said I was going to fail, I just did it. And, you know, I don't know, maybe growing up in a small town or just having, you know, that weird belief that I could do it, I just went ahead and did it. And it was an amazing leap, I guess. And luckily, I kind of landed on my feet and had success with book one. And, you know, I remember my dad, we had this conversation after that first book came out. I think it was in the third printing. And he said, look, I'm proud of you. And it was a tough conversation for him to have. But he said, I'm proud of you. Everybody thought you were going to fail, myself included. But then he told me something I really never forgot. He said, look, I know you want to work in sports, kiddo, but there's no jobs in sports. You know, I know that this is your passion and you love it. But like every little kid, but, you know, you got lucky with this first book and you kind of hit lightning in a bottle and it was great. But it's going to be really hard for you. You're not the son of the owner of the team. You're not a former professional athlete. You're going to have to reinvent yourself every year. And then he said, but if this is really what you want to do, he said, look, you got to follow your dream. He said, this is going to be hard, but he said, follow your dream. Otherwise, you're going to spend the rest of your life working for somebody else who did. And that really stuck with me. And, you know, it just kind of drove me to kind of a chip on my shoulder. And I think, you know, from studying athletes and, and really studying amazing, you know, coaches and athletes, they've all got that chip on their shoulder. There was always someone that told them they weren't good enough or smart enough or pretty enough. And I think you just have to persevere and just tell people, you know what, F you, I'm going to do it. This is my deal and I'm not going to take no for an answer. And I think that, you know, I work with a lot of top producers, a lot of, not only in sports, but in business, sales producers, executive leaders. And I'm always fascinated about what makes the great ones great. And I think that people have that attitude and they tell them whether it's Tom Brady or whoever, they, people said, oh, I wasn't good enough. Well, you know what? Take that. I think you have to have that attitude. Yeah. Well, it's so powerful. Follow your dream or you're going to follow someone else's dream. I don't know if I quoted that correctly, but wow, your dad, like that is so powerful. And the other word that you said, which is so critical, and of course we hear it all the time, but passion, like if you don't care about it, no one else will. And it comes across, I mean, you are so passionate about the space you're in and you know, for our listeners, it's like really, you know, are you still passionate about what you're doing? I see people in businesses every day who hate them and they are just doing it for the money and it shows. And when they make that shift and they, they move into what they really care about, then things really start to take off. So it's important to, to really look at that. 
And I think too, just, you know, and from watching you on stage too, you're super passionate about what you do and helping and serving others. It's very obvious. You can't fake passion. It's authentic or it's phony and people can see through it immediately. And, you know, in sales, that's a really big challenge. You know, no one wants life insurance, but we need it. And the more you can sell, the outcome is really important. So that was what I learned, you know, early on was to look, you might not be passionate about selling widgets, but focus on the outcome. What is the money that you're going to make going to be able to do? Will it be able to allow you to pursue your real passion, hunting, fishing, golfing, traveling, spending time with your kids or grandkids? Then focus on that. That's really the lesson. No one loves what they do. Look, I love speaking. I love what I do. I'm very blessed. I have first world problems like you do. And I, you know, my problems are different than other people's problems. And I have speaker envy too. We all do. But at the end of the day, you know, that one hour on the stage is preceded by hundreds of hours of grinding and traveling and spending time in airports and being yelled at because you didn't do something the right way or failing. So I think you just have to focus on the outcome of what that speech is going to do, what it will do for you, what it will do for your audience, and how it will lead to the next speech and it will lead to more travel or whatever. For me, that's, you know, my true passion is traveling, spending time with my family. So I focus on the outcome, not the day to day. I mean, that's just how it is. Otherwise, living in airplanes would drive you crazy. Yeah. Well, I think there's a couple of things. So unpacking that a little bit, it's like we have our professional passions and then we have our personal passions. And when they can overlap, like I love to travel as well. And so when I get to travel for work, that's like a great moment. And that's okay. Like we are multifaceted human beings, but you're right. Like when we say passion, we don't mean that you're going to love every single thing that you're doing every single day in your business or your professional career. There's things that I do that I don't love to do, but I do them because I know why I have to do them. And I'm disciplined. And that that's an important piece, I think, for anyone, you know, to know who's listening. And at the same time, there are those pieces of your business that you will love. It's what keeps you going. You know, for you, it's stepping on stages. I love to be in front of people. You know, small groups are awesome. Large groups, when I can see that shift happen in the audience, that's like a sweet spot. But you're right. Like it takes a lot behind the scenes. So that's a great, thank you for clarifying that. And if someone's selling insurance, by the way, I sold insurance like for three months. It's a long story. And I had to get my my licensing, all of that done. It was very interesting. And But what I learned in that world was, you know, that you have to care about people. At the end, I think for all of us, like we do care about, we like people, we care about making a difference. That's why we can be out in front. But I have people on my team, you know, Rebecca, she's one of the coaches on my team. She doesn't ever want to be out in front. She's an amazing coach, but she's like, you do your thing. I'll do mine back here. This is what I'm really good at. So it's also knowing those strengths and, you know, being okay with it. So thank you for making that differentiator about passion. All right. I got to keep moving here because I want to talk about selling and your sales strategies and what you think about. One of the things since I met you, and I've heard you say this a bunch of times, you hustle. It's a hustle. Sometimes it can feel like a grind because you got to keep going. You got to keep going. I think in sales, like you can't stop. There's never a stopping point. Like it's not like you get somewhere and you're done. And I think whenever we think that way, we're going to get stressed out. So it's remembering that this is a consistent process. So Ross, what are your top two sales strategies that you would love to share with our listeners that have worked well for you to build this incredible career. Thank you. Well, I think for starters, I got laser focused. I learned I have a lot of peers and I've built relationships within the speaking industry and other speaking professionals like you and to go have coffee like we did and to learn about what you do and to try and help people. You know, for starters, I really learned about the power of having a referral strategy and really trying to share business to give first and then you know, kind of by the laws of karma, it comes back. So if you have a gig, if you have something of value, then to share that with someone who is in your space, kind of in your world, in your price point, and be able to share and reciprocate, it's just the whole working harder strategy. That was huge for me. 
being laser focused has also been really important. There's so much, you know, envy, like you talk about in our world, whether it's this speaker doing that or whatever, you know. So, you know, for me, that meant I don't do podcasts. I don't do blogs or vlogs. I'm not on social media. I'm not on Facebook or Instagram. I have a LinkedIn page, but I really only use LinkedIn to honor and acknowledge others. I'm not trying to engage in conversation. I just use it as a way to thank others and to be seen. And, you know, so I only focus on keynote speaking, not all the other stuff. There's, you know, so many speakers have train the trainer programs and LMS online universities, learning management systems, you know, products and video series. And, you know, God bless everyone that does it. And I look at you and I'm like, oh my God, how do you do it all? I'm amazed by how much you do and at the quality and the level that you do it. And it blows me away. But for me, I just do one thing. I keynote about 120 conferences a year. When I'm home, I grind, I pound the phones, I pick up phones, I call, I get holds on my calendar, I follow up, I book gigs. And when I'm done with the gig, I give it to someone else. I'm not hounding him to try and sell him stuff. I think it's, that's the thing with sales. You can't be greasy about it. So when I'm done, I say, I'm going to find you my replacement. And by the law of the karma, if I do a good job, they're going to recommend me somewhere else. It's going to lead to something else. But you know, I start every year with a blank calendar. That's a stressful thing. I don't have repeat clients that bring me back five times, 10 times. I might have a big client like a 3M or a big company, but when I come back, it's for the electrical division or the medical division or the adhesive division, a different client. So for me, I have to delight my audiences. I have to overcome. I have to over-deliver on their expectations or I don't work. I don't eat. So I learned that, that you have to grind and over-deliver and you got to be a performer. You got to be sweating and performing and whatever it is, whether you're selling insurance or real estate or podcasts or whatever, you have to do that. And unless you do that, you're going to suck at it and you're not going to work. I mean, there's a very fine line between what you do being a hobby and a career. So I never take that for granted. And there's, it's not a bunch of things. It's a bunch of little things, but staying focused and everything I do was really a key. And then just giving and serving others, whether it's referrals or using social media to acknowledge and thank others and to help them. It's authentic. You know, I haven't figured this out. I believe me, I'm a work in progress and I'm in awe. So many people that do so many things great. So I'm just trying and I'm learning and I'm just doing what I'm doing. Well, I think being laser focused is really, really powerful. And thank you. I mean, I think it's easy to look at someone else's situation and wonder how they do it as well. How you get on planes, how you travel all over the world, how you keep going. I mean, it's what you've taken on is a lot, but I think you've got it down to a sign. It's like, you know how to work. And I know one thing you haven't shared on here, but I hope it's okay that I talk about like, you're really great at traveling with your family and you've made that part of your business which allows you to, you know, ha- share your passion of travel with your family as well. And I think that's really important because I'm sure it keeps you grounded because being on the road all the time can be tough. Yeah, it's really, in Ursula, that's my why. I mean, that for me, I figured out what I want and that's what I want. I mean, my home is filled with hundreds of photos of my wife and daughter and I on all seven continents. And just, you know, I know that, can, you know, it's no cliche, but the harder I work, the luckier I get. So for every gig in Duluth and Des Moines and Omaha and wherever, you know, there's going to be a Dubai, there's a Cape Town, there's a Hong Kong, there's a Sydney. So that's really what I focus on is that I know that if I keep grinding and working, it's going to lead to those opportunities and that will lead to more adventures and more time, you know, on the beach in the Maldives or wherever it is that we get to go. And I work really hard for those opportunities and I love them. I'm not on social media, like talking about them. It's just you and I've talked about it. So it's something that I'm really passionate about, but that's what I surround myself with. That's my happy place in my living room, looking out at the lake and looking at all these pictures because that reminds me to work 
and to keep going and never become complacent because I know that there's more adventures coming and that's really what I love. And I think once people figure out that why, like Simon Sinek talked about, and they focus on that, then that really will be an aha moment for them and it will be a shift to how they can start focusing and doing things a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And you know, you started, you talked about being laser focused. You talked about referral partners. I mean, you're an expert at building relationships. And I think that, you know, let's face it, we're all busy. I just, you know, want to key in on that, that you took the time to reach out to me. You know, I'm out to me and say, let's have coffee. I think that says a lot because I see you as a, at a certain level in the industry. And I've known this industry for a long time and people like you are really busy and I just appreciate you taking that time. So you're not just saying this is what you do. I get that you do it. And I just want to say thank you because it makes a big difference to other people. And we all need relationships. I mean, we've talked about too, this space can be very lonely, whether it's, you know, having your own business as an entrepreneur or being a speaker out on the road all the time. And so having people in your corner is really important. So I want to save time though, because we want to hear more from you. Ross, you're an expert in many things. Specifically, well, today we're going to say that you're really an expert in drawing the correlation between sports and business and figuring out what makes the great ones great. And I know you talk a lot about that and you're passionate about it. I would love it if you could give us some tips or some of the things that you share with your audiences all over the world. Well, thanks. I think it's one of the words that you mentioned earlier was a really key word in my world, and that's consistency. So my program, I'll back up just a second, but it's called The Champion's Code, Building Relationships Through Life Lessons of Integrity and Accountability from the Sports World to the Business World. So just real quickly, my program is based on two best-selling series of books I've written. One is about why teams win. It's a series of books called Raising Stanley, Raising Lombardi. It's a bunch of books where people are hoisting trophies, and it was about what it took to hoist that trophy. So like Jim Collins did in Good to Great, I wanted to know why. What was unique about the 85 Bears or the 91 Twins? And I was looking for the commonalities. It was fascinating. The code part of the Champions Code is a series of books I wrote about the unwritten, unspoken rules in sports. One of them was the hockey code, and it's about fighting in hockey. It's not really about fighting, but it's about this honor code. And if you break the rules about why you lose teeth and why they allow fighting. So it was a cool journey. That book got turned into a movie with an Academy Award winning director, and it's been a really fun journey. But there's a baseball code. There's a football code. And it's about these rules. And it's about what happens when you kind of lose your moral compass and you're willing to cheat, like Lance Armstrong or Bernie Madoff. So the Champions Code is about winning with integrity, and that's what I talk about. So it's been amazing to figure out drawing these correlations about learning about a guy like Tom Brady, how he's using technology, you know, predictive analytics, augmented reality, cryotherapy. And I talk about what teams are doing to build culture, to build their bodies, to how he's at 42 years old at the top of his game and why, and how you can apply that to business, to sales. So that part is fascinating. So there's really a lot of stories. It's a blend and a weave of companies I've worked with, how they've overcome disruption, how they've found new ways to lead with integrity, to be a servant leader, how they've found different ways and methods to, you know, provide better service as things change. I mean, quite frankly, you know, the shift for me being an author to a speaker, you know, wasn't by design. I mean, I booked with dying. So I had to change. So everyone has to change. I don't care what business you're in. I mean, the, the Gen Zs and millennials do business very differently. So I talk about how great companies, great organizations are changing and that there's disruption. It's been around forever, but it's hyper accelerated now. So I think there's a lot we can learn from sports to business, but I think everyone needs to be able to figure out what can everyone learn from anything and how that applies to helping people. So, you know, I just think that you know, if you're passionate about it and you love it, I think that you can definitely find those, you know, correlations and share them in an entertaining way. That's the key to be able to help people and to be able to help them grow their businesses. And when those two things happen, that's when the magic happens. 
So with all the study that you've done, all the research, all the experiences you've been in front of, I know thousands of business people and sales professionals throughout the years, if you could just pick one thing, and maybe you've already said it, is there an it factor? Is there a one thing? Is there something that you've noticed across the board that people who make it to the top have that we could emulate? Well, there's a million things. I don't want to bore your listeners with a bunch of pithy cliches about working hard or all that. But I will say something maybe you didn't expect me to say is I think people that give back and they serve. Wayne Gretzky is one of my heroes. He's on the cover of one of my books. He's written forwards for a few of my books. And I talk about how Wayne loves assists more than goals, how he loves helping people, how he understands that it's better to make other people better than to prop yourself up. And I talk about how great companies serve and how they give. And I really talk a lot about philanthropy and about giving. In the beginning, I mentioned Herb Brooks, one of my heroes, a famous hockey coach. Herb and I became good friends later after I met him at his hockey camp. He asked me to write his biography. I was working on it with him when he was killed in a car accident. So I helped him create the Herb Brooks Foundation. That's my charity. And we raised you know, millions to get kids interested in sports. So I brag about great companies that give and serve. So I talk a lot about using that as a differentiator, using that as a way to really build relationships. So I think great companies, this is what they're known for and how they use social media and how they give and serve. And I think that's really an important thing is to not only give personally, but to figure out what your clients, what your potential customers, what they're interested in, what they're passionate about, and to align there. That's how you build organic, organic, authentic relationships. So that's really been kind of the secret sauce for me is to be involved in a lot of different charities, whether it's my own or others, and to really authentically give and serve. And I think that's really going to help grow your business. And to your point, double your sales. It's a perfect place to end. Thank you. And it was, while unexpected in some way, also not surprising coming from you. I think that's how you live your life. So with that, Ross, two things. Number one, tell us, like, what's a good fit for you? If someone's listening and they're thinking about who they're going to have speak at their next conference, how would they know it's you? And then how can they get a hold of you? Well, thank you. You know, I have nothing here to sell or plug, but, you know, my website is just rossbernstein.com. So all my contact info and my demo video is there. And my audience is really very, I keynote huge sales conferences, leadership conferences, association conferences. I mean, like you were, you know, pick a lane. My lane is speaking. So I'm able to tailor my message. I do one thing. I don't do a million things. I do one thing and I'm really good at that one thing. And yeah, I'd love to connect with people that are looking for speakers. And if not, I'd love to recommend them to people like you who are awesome speakers. So if it's a good fit, great. If not, I'm happy to recommend someone who is. That's kind of my gig. And you do that well. I know you've done that for many people and you know a lot of speakers out in the world. So that's very generous. And for our listeners, definitely reach out to Ross if you think it's going to be a fit. Ross, you're amazing. Thanks for being here today. I know our listeners are going to take a lot of notes and take a lot away from what you said today. I'll be your new friend. I'm excited to build our relationship and I'm excited for all your success. Congratulations to you. And I'm very honored to be on your podcast. So thanks so much. Thank you. So much fun. And for our listeners everywhere, we love hearing from you. Send us your emails. If something helped you, contact at salescoachnow.com. Let us know. If there's anything we can do for you, please let us know. We would love to connect. We want you to know you're not alone out there. Thanks, everybody. Make this your most epic month yet. Thank you for listening to Double Your Sales Now. To get even more information to take your sales to the next level, visit us at salescoachnow.com. That's salescoachnow.com. Join us again next week to learn how to double your sales now. Thank you.